Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hey, Nancy. Hey, Bola. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Clever Girls Know podcast. I am super excited to talk to you about, you know, being a physician, surgeon, and also a real estate investor. But before we dive into the conversation, I'd love for you to tell us who you are and what you do in more detail. (laughs) Yeah. Hi, I'm Nancy Wynn and I wear a couple of hats. So first and foremost, I am a wife and a proud mom to two young girls. They are currently two and four. So keep me very busy. (laughs) I'm also an ophthalmologist. So I'm an eye doctor and a surgeon. So over the past 10 years, I have had the privilege of taking care of people's eye problems and also getting to perform sight-saving eye surgeries for people. And then the third hat I wear is I am an impact real estate investor and also a philanthropist. So I invest in real estate, not just for the financial gains and to build wealth for myself and my family, but also for positive social impact. Mm -hmm. And one of my big mission is to eliminate preventable blindness worldwide. So that is a summary of who I am and what I do. (laughs) (laughs) And can you break down for us, what is impact to real estate investing? Yeah. So the traditional sense of investing that we think about, particularly with real estate or any type of investing, is that there are the financial gains and then the philanthropy arm is just something for you to do to donate money to. So Mm -hmm. impact real estate investing is really unleashing that capital and what you earn from those financial gains to do good. So for instance, in real estate, it's just a natural fit for impact real estate investing because the actual buildings itself that we typically invest in, for instance, like an apartment complex, it's just prime for that to make an impact because you are providing clean, livable spaces for residents to live in and for families to thrive in. And then you're also creating a community and you're also impacting the surrounding communities. So that's one way that, for instance, real estate makes impact. So it's basically the convergence Mm -hmm. of investing, making profits, but also that you're making a positive impact while doing that. I love that. I love that you are so focused on curing preventable blindness. That's very commendable, especially since that's a field that you work in. So you're not just working for money or profits. You're also working for impact. And that's amazing. Yeah. I think it just gives you a stronger why of what you're doing, right? Money is great and we all need it. We all need that security. But 
when you're working for a larger mission, it just drives you more. And, you know, I always like to think that with more impact, you're going to make more income. So Mm -hmm. the more impact you can make on people on, you know, whatever you're investing in, the income will naturally come. Mm -hmm. So as a physician slash eye surgeon, you are already a high income earner. And so how did you get interested in real estate investing? Why did you decide that you wanted to buy that very first property? What was your backstory, given that you probably were already comfortable with your income (laughs) Mm -hmm. and savings and all that kind of stuff? Why did you want to do an additional thing? That is uh, excellent question, Bola. And I want to give you a little, you and your audience, a little background story to give you some context of how I got interested in real estate and started digging into this whole field. So when I first started practicing medicine, you know, I had been training for a long time. I also started making a six-figure income, mm-hmm. but I was just appalled that I had never been taught how to manage that money. So mm-hmm. I had been in school for 20 years, you know, attended some of the top schools, yet. I did not receive any financial education. So there I was pitched into my career and learning on the fly about such an important life skill as money. So that's kind of a little background. But as I was practicing, I also started to realize that my so-called quote, stable job as a doctor, right? Because they always tell you, you're always going to, you know, medicine's very secure. You're always going to, someone's always going to get sick and you're going to need it wasn't quite as secure or stable as I thought. And it was almost like there was this myth behind security and medicine. Mm -hmm. And just like everyone else, I was one call away from telling me that reimbursements were going to be cut for my services, that I was one email away telling me that my income was going to be slashed by 30% because of restructuring or leadership changes. And then I also realized I was essentially trading my time for money, right? Even though I was earning a high income, that also involved me having to go into work every day. And if I stopped going to work, if I got injured, disabled, that income will stop coming in. And once I realized how little control I actually had over this earned income, I decided I needed to create some sort of passive income and Mm -hmm. to get educated and really take full responsibility for my finances and my investing. Because before I had just kind of passively put things in 401ks and mutual funds because that's what you're told to do. Yeah. Then I started investigating more and saying, instead of just putting money investing in paper assets, I need some hard assets that's going to produce money for me even while I sleep. And that's how I got into real estate. That's awesome. And one of the things you mentioned was passively investing. And you mentioned leveraging real estate as a way to create passive income. And one of the things that you mentioned prior to the podcast was you leverage that as a way to control your time and stop trading your time for money, right? Because you only have so much time that you can give away in exchange for a salary. Why is this passive income so important for you to pursue and just so important for everyone to consider? Yeah, I think the very short answer of why passive income is important is time is your most valuable resources. We all have 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week. So, you know, Bola, you don't get any more. I don't get any more. Elon Musk has the same. Oprah has the same <laughs> number of hours. <laughs> So once that time passes, you can't get it back. So that's the simple answer to say why passive income is important is because time is more valuable than money. So when you are actively earning your income, you are trading your time for money. And there's a ceiling that you hit and only so much you could do because your time is limited. 
So if you stop working, your money stops coming in. Or if you don't trade in more time, you can't earn more money. So as a physician, I was basically getting my income as active income. So if I stopped working, I stopped making money. If I stopped seeing patients or doing surgeries, that money stops coming in. And I wanted to shift that story from trading time for money to having my money work as hard as it can for me. And that's where passive income comes in and why I think it's so important for everyone. Because when you have that passive income, you gain back control of your time and you dictate how you want to spend your time, whether it be working more, if that's what you want, Mm -hmm. is then a choice, not a necessity. And you're able to, you know, cut back and spend more time with your family if that is what you want or you could travel. I guess it just gives you optionality and choices. So you're not beholden to this paycheck that you must get, you know, every two weeks or however frequently you get it. So that is the power of passive income. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of passive income because like you mentioned, we only have so much time that we can exchange for money. And ultimately the goal is to leverage the money that we earn so that it can be put to work for us to generate additional money on its own, right? These are your dollars out there working. However, one thing for the listeners to keep in mind is that when it comes to passive income, you have to set the groundwork, right? So Mm -hmm. with Nancy, you had to set the stage of your real estate investment business, which we'll talk about in a second. You know, so there are many different ways to create passive income. And I'm just going to share some ideas for those of you who are listening. So like Nancy does, you can invest in real estate. You can get money from rental income. You can invest in other people's businesses. You can, for example, write a book or create a course and you do the groundwork to write the book and to create the course. But those sales that happen after it has been created, once the work is done the one time, is then passive income. So there are a variety of different ways, you know, if you create something now and it continues to sell into the future without you having to do more modifications, investing in your 401k, your brokerage account, you put the money in there once and the money is out there working, working, appreciation, dividends, compounding. <laughs> That's a way to generate passive income. So it's something that we should all be actively thinking about. And it's not as hard as we might think it is. However, it does require that initial time investment (laughs) to reap the the rewards. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to add, Bola, is that you also need income to make your money work for you, right? You need to make money to have the money to work for you. So a lot of people think passive income, it's just going to come naturally, but that's not the case. Exactly. Exactly. So, you you know, wealth building is very simple. I like to think of it as, you know, you make your money, you save some money, and then you invest that money. But first you have to make that money. So you still have to earn income to begin with to start, you know, channeling to these passive income streams. Exactly. And and that's very correct. And I'm glad you brought that up. And I guess the formula for passive income is time plus money will generate passive income. So with real estate, you might need a larger amount of money to start your first investment. But if you are thinking smaller, maybe if you are thinking about writing a book, for example, maybe you use a little bit amount of money to do an online course or a training course on how to write a book or to invest in materials to help you write a good book, right? So there's always some sort of investment involved with your IRA, your 401k, your brokerage accounts. You have to put money in, in order for the money to grow and compound and appreciate and you know, gain dividends. So what you said is is very, very correct. Uh, so 
I wanted to talk about your real estate business and what type of real estate investing do you do and how did you get started? So are you into commercial property? I know you mentioned rental property earlier. What kind of real estate are you into and how did you get started? What was your first investment? So I am both an active and a passive investor, and I invest in both residential and commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. So I started off being a buy and hold investor. And what that means is basically I buy a property and rent it out. And that's how I started in the residential space. Since then, I've also invested in apartment buildings and have uh, invested in a hotel development as well. So my wow. first in, yeah, my first in investment was a duplex. So that basically means it's under one roof and it has two doors. So instead of like a single family house, you basically have a house, but it's two units. So you could kind of put two families or two tenants in there instead of just one. Mm-hmm. So I got started by first getting educated, which I think is super important. Yes. And then I started, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very because, important. you know, as Robert Kiyosaki, who's the author of Rich Dad and Poor Dad says, it's it's not the investment that's risky, it's really the investor, right? Because if you yes. don't get educated and you're just throwing money wherever, yes, you could lose money and it's risky. But if you get educated and know kind of what you're doing and why you're investing, how it works, it's really not that risky, so to say. Yeah, the education. So you're taking risks when you invest in general, right? Because there's no guarantee you get the money back. That's just the nature of investments. But the education allows you to take calculated risks where you're able to forecast and do some predictions and do some numbers. You're not just investing blindly. And that's a big, big difference with investors who don't do well and investors who do well. It's the education so you can take those calculated risks. Yeah. And that is the difference between being a educated investor and being a gambler, right? Because if you don't get educated, you're basically gambling. (laughs) Yep. I hope it works. Fingers crossed. Right, right. Hey, everyone. So I wanted to come on here really quickly to share some amazing news with you. My fourth book drops this summer on July 6th, 2022, and I am beyond excited. The book is titled Choosing to Prosper, Triumphing Over Adversity, Breaking Out of Comfort Zones, Achieving Your Life and Money Dreams. And it is different from my last three books in that it is very personal. However, it was an extremely important book for me to write. I talk about my imposter syndrome, my family and upbringing, my mental health challenges, my past career and relationship challenges, building resilience, building Clever Girl Finance as a business of impact, achieving my financial and personal dreams, and much more. And based on my experiences, I share ways in which women in general and women of color can overcome the challenges they face when it comes to finances, career, and business. I share how women can build successful careers and or profitable and flexible businesses depending on your chosen path. And I also share the strategies that help me achieve success and how you can leverage them in your life as well. My hope for the women who read this book is that you are challenged to be confident, to find your voice, and to realize the personal growth you desire for yourself, regardless of what's stacked against you. My new book, Choosing to Prosper, is available for pre-order today in audio, ebook, and physical book formats wherever you buy your books. I cannot wait for July 6th. Okay, let's get back to the episode. 
Yeah. So back to this duplex, after I got educated, I started building a team around me. So a team of a realtor, lenders, contractors, and property managers to help me. Because in the end, it's really a team sport. You could do it all on your own, but it's just so much more fun and easier when you have a team who can guide you with their expertise. So that was my first purchase as a duplex that provided a great proof of concept for me of these benefits of real estate. It brought in cash flow every month without me having to go to work or see extra patients. I saw the tax benefits at the end of the year. And I also saw the loan pay down and the equity built up as the loan was being paid down by my tenants. So that was just provide a great proof of concept. And I started just adding to the portfolio. Then so that first one was the buy and hold approach where you bought the duplex, you rented it out, you started getting rental income, you were paying down your loan, and then also the value of the property was appreciating. Correct. Okay. And then since then, I have also invested in syndications passively. And so this term might be new to a lot of people, but what syndications are, are basically group investments. So Mm -hmm. instead of you purchasing the whole property yourself, you basically pull together a group of investors to pull their money and their resources together to purchase a larger property, like an apartment building or hotel. Mm -hmm. And there are two players involved in a syndication, there are the general partners or the sponsors, and then there are the limited partners or the passive investors. So as a passive investor, I basically just put my money in and then let the general partners do all the work and I collect the profits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's the simple way. And then since then, I've also started bringing in my own investors to these syndication deals. And that's where my real estate company comes in. It's just helping people understand what real estate is and particular real estate syndications, and then partnering with trusted sponsors to bring my investors these pre-vetted deals so that they can invest in it too. That's pretty interesting. And we recently did an article on Clever Wealth Finance on real estate syndication and how it works. So if you're listening and you're interested in that, investing as a group, then definitely stop by to check that out. And Nancy, you mentioned being a passive investor in the syndication. So I'm assuming that the profit sharing is different for those active main players versus the passive investors like yourself, right? Just to give the audience some context on how that's structured. Yes. So basically, for instance, if you're purchasing a 200-unit apartment building, that apartment is held in a limited liability company or an LLC. Mm -hmm. And then there are the general partners who sponsor the whole deal. So they're the ones in charge of finding, managing, renovating, doing all the active decisions. And then there are the limited partners who basically put in money and then share part of the profits. So the general partners are the GP and the limited partners the LPs, (laughs) yeah, both buy shares into this LLC. And then depending on how the deal is structured and the percentage and splits that each deal is structured differently, they share in the profits of it. But the wonderful thing about it is it's a great vehicle in particular for busy professionals who, you know, they want the benefits of real estate, but they don't really want all the hassles, right? I mean, I have active property, so you're dealing with tenants and leaky roofs and toilets. So they don't want all that. And they could get that benefit of real estate without all the headaches associated with owning your own rental properties. So that is a great way to get into real estate and get all the benefits without doing any of the work, basically. (laughs) Yeah. And basically, you know, with the real estate syndication, you get to minimize your risk. And you also, because you're investing with a group of investors, let's say in this 200 
unit apartment complex, you also don't have to find the whole entire down payment or cost Mm -hmm. to purchase this property because you are investing with a group. You can bring less to the table. And I know someone is listening and is asking, well, what's the difference between the real estate syndication and a REIT, which is the real estate investment trust. And so you just defined for us to explain to us what the real estate syndication is, which is a group of investors pulling money together to buy a physical property. Whereas with a REIT, you're contributing money to a fund that's managed by a fund manager that comprises Mm -hmm. of different real estate investments that you don't have a say in what those investments are. (laughs) You're just investing your money into this pool that is used to invest, that's publicly traded, but this money specifically designated to invest in real estate properties in different categories, commercial, residential, farmland, hospitality, you don't get a say, you're just investing to reap part of the benefits or the profits if there are profits. Yeah. I kind of liken it to like buying a stock in real estate. So you're kind of investing in, yeah, with a fund manager that has all these real estate projects. So the difference also between a syndication and a REIT is that a REIT is kind of taxed like it would be like a stock, like with capital gains. Yeah. But with syndications, you really get the benefits of real estate. So you would get the depreciation benefits, the equity upside and all of that. So that's kind of the difference between the two. Thanks for explaining that too. So yeah, stop by Clever Girl Finance. There's an article, just search real estate syndication. And then Nancy, on your website, do you talk more about real estate syndication or what you do? Yeah. On my website, there's a lot of free resources on there, including a whole glossary of terms that you might come across when you are looking at a syndication. I also have a free video course. Here's more towards physicians, but it contains a lot of the information that are needed to understand what real syndications are. And then I also have a due diligence checklist for if you do want to become a passive investor, the due diligence that you need to do before you, you know, just hand over a chunk of change to these sponsors. <laughs> so a lot more in-depth information, and that's at clairevisioninvesting.com. And that will be in the show notes as well. So let's come back to you know your investment. So you talk about getting into that first duplex, getting into real estate syndications residential commercial property. But how did you get the capital to begin investing in real estate? And, you know, we already talked about you being a high income earner, but I'm just curious to know, because a lot of times with physicians, when we hear about your high incomes, we forget that you also had high student loans if you did have student loans. And we forget also that there are those perhaps almost a decade where you're not actually earning that high income because you are in training, right? So how did you get that capital? Did you have student loans you were paying? Did you tap into savings? Did you take on loans to get capital to invest in real estate? If you don't mind sharing. Yeah, all of the above, Bola. So I did... So I did have student loans. I came out of medical school with six-figure student debt. Um, Mm -hmm. Not uncommon. The average medical school debt, the last I read, was over 250K. So I, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So I'm glad you brought light to some of the financial challenges or uniqueness of physicians, because I think a lot of other people don't understand it. And you, you kind of mentioned a couple, and I like to reiterate as well as the lengthy expensive education as you talk about you know the after high school it takes about 10 to 15 years to become a doctor so with medical school and residency and fellowships doctors may be well into their 30s before they even start their career so while their peers have already started earning tens of thousands of dollars each year and begin saving paying off debt and starting to invest 
doctors are just starting out with a negative net worth, essentially. You know, they're, I like to say that I was poorer than the homeless person when I got out of <laughs> medical school and training. So, but I was very aggressive about, you know, saving my high income, saving a huge portion of it and paid off my student loans in about like less than three years. So I was very aggressive with that, paying off that debt. So other than my primary mortgage, I really had no debt when I started investing in real estate. And then the second thing, I think the second question was you were saying, did I use my own money? Right. Was that the question? Yes. How did you, so where did you get the financing from or the the initial capital you needed to qualify for financing? So was it savings? Was it loans? Yeah. So it was a combination of the two. So for the down payment for an investment property, if you're not living in it, typically is 20 to 25%, depending on what kind of financing you could get. But most residential investment properties require you to put 20 to 25% down. And that capital was from my own money and my own savings. However, I did take out loans on these investment properties and you know, you might think, oh my gosh, you're taking out more loans, but actually this type of loan is good. There's good debt and bad debt. And this is one of the good debts, in my opinion. And it's something in real estate we call leverage, which yes. is basically a mortgage or debt. So when you take out debt, it's actually good. So I'll give you an example. So let's say you have $100,000 and you're trying to buy a $100,000 house. So instead of putting that full $100,000 into that one house, With real estate, you could take out mortgage and put 20% down. So just put down $20,000 and you could buy five of these $100,000 properties. I mean, where else can you do that? You can't do that with stocks. They're not going to loan you money. So that is the beauty. But this is the power is with all the benefits of real estate, the cash flow, the appreciation, the depreciation tax benefits is based off of that full $100,000 rather than that mm-hmm. just that $20,000 that you put down. That you put down. Yeah. So, so you're not splitting those profits with the banks. I mean, yes, you're paying your mortgage, but all the other benefits is yours to keep. And that yeah. is one of the powers, amazing powers of real estate. And so it's a taking, classic case of using other people's money, exactly. which is bank's money. Exactly. OPM. <laughs> we like to call it. <laughs> Yeah. And that's, I'm glad that you broke it down that way. It's very important to think about, but one other thing I wanted to mention, in addition to what you said, just for our audience who may not have experience in, you know, real estate investing, or they're just getting their feet wet is one of the things that Nancy mentioned earlier. And just to reiterate was the education. So even if you Mm -hmm. get the loan for a hundred thousand dollars, $500,000, and you're able to leverage other people's money to do investments in real estate, you need to educate yourself. You need to understand where you're Mm -hmm. investing. You need to understand the breakdown of the numbers. You need to understand what your expenses are going to be, what your cash flow positive or negative is going to be. You have to be able to have this information so that you can take this calculated risk and leverage that OPM to your benefit to gain mm-hmm you know, profits. So very important. Don't get carried away by, wow, the bank is giving me a hundred grand. Let's find a property to buy. Wait, <laughs> exactly. let's take a look at this property. Is this a good property to invest in? And Nancy, you mentioned having the team. So you have the realtor that you can ask for advice and that helps you with finding these type of properties. You have your mortgage lender. You have all these different people that have experience in this field that support you as part of your team as a real estate or owning a real estate investment company. Yeah, it's such a team sport, especially as you get into these larger commercial properties with apartments or hotels. 
you can't do it all on your own with the residential stuff. I still think you can't do it on your own, even if you're buying it all in your own name or, you know, you're the sole owner. You're still depending on the realtors, the lenders, your contractors to help you. So it's really a team sport. So the more people you could build around you, you could leverage their expertise, the faster you're going to go and the faster that you're going to understand this and be able to invest. Yeah. And I do agree that it's it's hard to do it on your own because think about buying your first home. For those of you listening who own a home, if you go back and think about all the paperwork that your realtor, your lawyer, everybody had to bring to the table, imagine going to do all that yourself, finding title, doing background, all this stuff, but then try to do it for 10 properties you're trying to buy and you haven't even gone into, oh, let's go and do inspections, appraisals, repairs. <laughs> home maintenance, tenant management, like it's a lot of stuff. You do need help and support, you know, to get started. And even the, you know, the, the real estate investor who sounds like they do it all themselves, a lot of them are not filing loan documentations themselves. They're not going to pull titles themselves. They're working with realtors. They're working with mortgage brokers. They're working with contractors. They're not doing the repairs themselves. So if you're thinking about it, start thinking about who your support team can be. And it might just be to start out with, find a good mortgage broker, right? That has experience with working with real estate investors or find a good contractor slash handyman that can help you quote or do quick repairs or direct you to the right person. Just start thinking about who your support system can be as you consider a real estate investments. Yeah, wonderful advice. And as you mentioned too already, the first step when real estate investors are beginning, beginning real estate investors ask me like, where should they begin investing? My answer is always universal is invest in your education first because that pays the best dividends. I love that. Yes. And I agree. So Nancy, how do you balance being a physician, a mom of two little ones <laughs> and a real estate investor, not just as a passive investor, but you actually have your own company. So your side hustle, ClareVision Investing, how do you balance all of this? I try to be very structured and intentional with how I spend my time. So my schedule is very scheduled out, so to say. My day begins basically the day before. So the last thing I do at the end of every day is just prepare my schedule and my to-do list for the next day so that when I start the day, I'm already very clear about what I need to do. Not to say that there aren't things that are going to derail it, but at least I kind of have a sense of these are the things I want to accomplish and need to accomplish. I also have a very powerful morning ritual that I've had in place for a number of years that I've continued to refine. And that includes exercise, reading, and working on the most important task first thing in the morning when I'm most focused and productive and energetic. Mm -hmm. And that's how I make time for real estate is really carving out that time while I can still practice, you know, as a doctor and a surgeon. It's really just, you just make time for the things that are a priority yeah. to you. That's incredible. And it does take a lot of focus and discipline to be able to do all the things that you do as, you know, a mom, a physician. That's a very taxing field because you need precision and rest to do what you do as a surgeon. It's not a game, right? <laughs> you also have to do people management because you're dealing with human beings mm -hmm. and their families. You have to deal with your team and your business. So I definitely commend you and all the women out there who are balancing multiple millions of things, you know, motherhood, family, 
businesses, jobs, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that's amazing. Yeah. And I just think that women are just so amazing and we make the best. We are. We are. We are. <laughs> and we make the best entrepreneurs and truthfully real estate investors. There are not a lot of us in the real estate space quite yet. So when you attend some of these conferences, you know, you stand out just by being a woman. <laughs> but I, I think just us being able to multitask and balance so many things, as you said, being working, being a mom, whatever we're doing, you know, I just think we're so primed to make a difference in, in so many ways. So I really believe that women just have so much power. Yes, absolutely. And Nancy, what advice would you give anyone who's listening to this who wants to pursue a career in medicine or who wants to pursue a career in real estate investing or so both for, like you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for someone who is looking to pursue a career in medicine, I would say medicine is one of the most noble callings and noble professions out there. And it is truly an honor to be trusted with another human being's life and health and well-being. But I would say the person who is interested in becoming a doctor or pursuing you know, any career in medicine is to really dig down and ask themselves why. Because I think that why will really drive them through a lot of the ups and downs associated with becoming a doctor. And you really have to go in with your eyes wide open. It's not an easy path. You'll be likely sacrificing your 20s and delaying earning an income, like we talked about earlier, often taking on student debt and sacrificing time with your family on sleep during your training. But I will say this, if you are truly passionate about medicine and feel as you're calling, just know that having financial literacy and financial intelligence will carry you such a long way. Because I've seen that the most happy doctors are those who are financially educated and yes. they enjoy the most freedom and the most choices that they can make. And then that's when they're able to live this life of purpose and passion and service to people. So I would say, you know, pursue that passion with full force, but also keep that financial education and that well-being in the back of your mind as you're training, because it's going to carry you through and make you so much better as a doctor. I love that. And then the second part in terms of someone looking into getting into real estate, I would say get educated and take action. It's as simple as that. When people, what stops people from starting? It's usually fear. It's fear of the unknown. And nothing dispels fear more than education because the greater knowledge you have, the less the fear and the more that you are willing to take that next step. But as they say, knowledge without any action is nothing. And you really need to combine that knowledge and action to create the result that you want. And most people never start. So first get educated and then take action. Mm -hmm. That's really great advice. And Nancy, before I let you go, you have to tell us what is your Clever Girl superpower? <laughs> I think my Clever Girl superpower is restoring vision and just providing people with a gift of sight. I love giving people their eyesight back, either do surgery or helping them medically, because I feel like when I'm able to change someone's eyesight, it also gives them just their identity back and their dignity back and just, yeah. you know, their vision for the future, because sometimes they've lost hope because they can't see, especially in third world countries where I've traveled to just seeing them blossom back to life. It just gives me great joy. Yes. Yes. And what you do again, you know, is incredible. The fact that you have the skill and you're able to share that skill to help people improve and just greatly impact their lives. And, you know, what you're doing with impact investing and wanting to cure global blindness and, 
you know, all of that is, is incredible. So congratulations on all of your success. You know, that's, thank that's you, really Bola. <laughs> Before you go, finally, finally, last question, please tell everyone or remind us how to keep in touch with you. I know we shared your website, but if you can tell us that again, and also any social media information, and we'll, we'll be sure to put that in the show notes. Yes. Thank you. Please visit the real estate investing website, clearvisioninvesting.com. And as I mentioned earlier, there's a bunch of free resources on there for people wanting to learn more about real estate and real estate syndications. And if you're just wanting to learn more or want to invest with us or interested in just exploring to see what this is all about, they can schedule a call so we could learn more about them and their investing goals. And they could also connect with me through LinkedIn or Instagram. And my handle there on both of them is Nancy Wynn MD. So N-A-N-C-Y-H-U-Y-N-H-M-D. And I would love to connect with anyone who just wants to talk. So feel free to reach out. Yes. And we'll put that in the show notes. So thank you so much, Nancy. I appreciate you. Thank you, Bola. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.